It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. On second and goal, Morris to throw, end zone, Waters, he got it! Touchdown, Miami! What a throw! A heavenly throw by Stephen Morris to Herb Waters for a touchdown! What? Stephen Morris up behind McDermott on first down. A play pick. Morris looking to throw deep. He's firing four-door set. Got him out there! He's got it! Touchdown! Stephen Morris! 52 yards to Philip Dorsett for a touchdown. Orange in the end zone. Bristol from the gun. Accepts it. Wants to put it in the air. Got a tight pocket. Looking to the end zone. Oh, he's intercepted. That's the five-yard line for the University of Miami. Jenkins to the 10 to the 15. Jenkins to the 23. And Miami got it back. Jeff Driscoll under heavy pressure. It's intercepted by Sean Jenkins. Fourth and an inch. Bristol. Oh, he's hitting the line of scrimmage. Bristol took the snap and he was stood up at the line. Good penetration by Miami. Yeah, hey, Miami got it back on down. Might be the play of the year. It's a sea of white on a third and seven from the 17-yard line. Just a snap to Bristol. Nice point, he's hit the ball loose. It is loose. Miami might have it, it's still loose. There's a scramble for it. Who's got it? At the five-yard line, Miami has the ball! That's what I'm talking about, defense! Make those old hurricanes proud! Bristol goes in under center against a four-man Miami front with Porter right over the center. On second and 11, handoff Jones right there. Oh, Oakland! Fumble! He hurt his corner, hands it for Miami. A big hit on Jones, and Porter recovers for Miami. Worked it out for the center earlier this week. Jones has a tendency to fumble. Miami put a big hit on him, and Curtis Porter gets the fumble for Miami. Main damage first and 10 at the 50-yard line. For the Florida Gators, the ball at the 17 of the University of Miami after the Stephen Morris interception and 74,000 fans are on their feet. Miami and Florida coming down to a fighting finish. It's Brown in the backfield. It's Driscoll rolling the pocket right. Rose! It's intercepted by Miami! Tracy Howard has it at the 20! 20. 25 break the tackle at the 30! Howard at the 40! Howard at the 45! Tracy Howard all the way to midfield! A huge turnover! Hand off, Duke Johnson running left, Duke Johnson, touchdown! Touchdown, Miami! After the turnover, Duke Johnson scores! Miami 20, the Florida Gators 9! They're going crazy at Sun Life Stadium! Those were the calls of the voice of the Canes, Joe Zagaki on WQAM Radio. And what a great day it was for everyone that calls themselves a Miami Hurricane. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Kane Sport Live, where tonight we will be dissecting both the positives and negatives, if there can be negatives, which there were, of course, of the Miami Hurricanes' 21-16 victory over the Florida Gators on Saturday at Sun Life Stadium. 
As always, this is your show, and it's going to be driven tonight by your participation. Everyone, it's free to call in and engage in discussion on any Miami Hurricane-related topic all night long. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. As we do every Tuesday night, we've got a full switchboard open for everybody that wants to call in. Um, Everyone's been dying to see exactly what they have in this 2013 Hurricane football team. And I think we have a way better idea of that today than we did a week ago as we discussed the season opener with Florida Atlantic. Again, as always, over the past couple days, we've asked Canesport.com subscribers to identify some of the topics that they would like to see discussed on tonight's show. Here are some of the things they came up with. How did the defense improve so much during the offseason that it was able to stand toe-to-toe with that Gator team and dominate the line of scrimmage throughout the entire afternoon? What about the conditioning impact of the UTUF program? The defense being able to hold up for 45 plays in the first half, a staggering workload for the defense because the offense was struggling in the second quarter to get first downs and keep drives going. What was the impact of the 11 brutal hits that Jeff Driscoll, the Gator quarterback, took from an improved pass rush? Driscoll's been on crutches this week with with a sprained knee and ankle. Um, He is expected to play in the Gators' next ballgame against Tennessee. Um, But Driscoll took a beating in that ballgame, and I think that it had a great, great impact on exactly how he played. I think it wore him down mentally and contributed to some of those key turnovers that he made throughout the ball game. Was this Tracy Howard's coming out party? It certainly looked like it. Should we be concerned that Florida had so many yards in the game? A, a flashback to last season when teams were able to move the ball in the Hurricanes. But for some reason, this one seemed to look a little bit different. There was no comparison, in my opinion, to the Miami defense that was on the field Saturday and the Miami defense that was on the field last year. Maybe they gave up some yards through the air, largely because there was such great focus on shutting down the Gator running game and making Driscoll throw the ball. Um, but Miami was way more physical, way more stout at the point of attack, swarmed to the football so much better. And like I said, I really don't think there was much of a comparison between the Hurricane defense of 2012 and what we saw on Saturday as the Hurricane defense of 2013. Um, what about Antonio Crawford's up and downs on Saturday's game? You know, I admit I was among those that you know, sort of created the hype machine on Antonio Crawford. I liked what I saw of him in the preseason. I still think he's a very good player, but he seemed to freeze a little bit under the stage on Saturday. I think the moment might have been a little too big for him. He'll certainly learn from that situation and come back stronger, I would suspect. Does this victory mean that the program is back, or is it just the beginning of a longer road? Why is the offense struggling so badly? Why are people already pointing fingers at new offensive coordinator James Coley? And is that fair? You know, people have been harping on the fact that Miami had a conservative game plan on Saturday. They didn't like all those unsuccessful running plays on early downs. But what if that was the game plan? What if Miami didn't want to get into a shootout with the Gators? What if they didn't want to subject Stephen Morris to that ferocious Gator defensive line teeing off on him in, in passing situations over and over again? Maybe they just decided to put the game in the hands of their best player, and that's Duke Johnson, and it just didn't work out. But why didn't it work out? Because the offensive line had a horrible day, and we'll talk more about that tonight, why that happened and why they couldn't create any room for Duke Johnson 
on Saturday. Should the coaches stop trying to cross-train these linemen between positions and, and do less shuffling during ball games? It's one thing to have depth and have guys capable of playing different positions, but maybe this line needs some continuity right now until it gets its act together and um, gets it, just solidifies itself here in the 2013 season as a core unit and then maybe branch out from there. You know, was that an issue? Um, should What's the philosophy – when running the ball, is the zone, is, does the zone scheme that they're using and, and, and the, the spread plays that they're using, does it fit the players they have trying to run it? What's wrong with the passing game? Is Stephen Morris and all those receivers going to get their act together? Shouldn't they be able to pass at will with all the obvious talent that they have? Why does it seem that they're having communication problems at times? Why is Morris rolling left so often for passes? Um, instead of the natural right? Are they just trying to show that he can go both ways so there's less predictability? Why are the third down conversions so horribly bad? Miami was 1 for 11 on third down in this game and is now 1 for 17 on the season. Even with the punting of Pat O'Donnell, it seems the special teams can be so much better. What was up with that block punt and why wasn't Miami able to adjust when the Gators overloaded to the left side? Why isn't Miami successfully able to get good returns on punts and kickoffs with the talents of the returners on the field. What recruits were in attendance on Saturday, and did Miami's performance affect them positively or negatively? Looking ahead, what games is Miami most in danger of, of losing? What are the possibilities of Anthony Ciccolo playing more at defensive tackle since he's proven so good there in pass rush situations? Would that open up more reps for Muhammad Gilbert and McCord? The 3-4 defense or the 4-3 defense, which was most effective on Saturday? Most of the freshmen did not play on Saturday as Hurricane coaches chose to protect the young kids. But what does the future hold for guys like Stacey Coley, Artie Burns, and Gus Edwards? Al Golden said this week is about getting those guys better and ready to play. It was a great day at Sun Life Stadium on Saturday, and the fans came out as expected. The average ticket price on the aftermarket was about $200. I did some research in the past couple days, and in the past five years, there were only two games involving ACC teams that have commanded higher prices. That was Oklahoma-Florida State in 2011 and Georgia-Clemson last weekend. A colossal day at Sun Life Stadium, a great moment for the Hurricanes. So much for us to talk about. Let's get right to it with your phone calls. Again, the call-in numbers are 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. We have a wide open board, but we're going to start tonight in the 305, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Hey, Gareth. Bruce, how are you, buddy? Hey, Bruce C.W. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm excited about what happened on Saturday. I don't know. I, was, I was pretty wild. I lost my voice for a couple of days, but it was well worth it. We beat the Gators. It was great. Well, you know, you and everybody else out there, and, you know, the funny thing about that game is, you know, anytime Miami can beat the Gators, it's Mardi Gras time. You know, you throw parades, you you drink beer all night, you, you, you soak it up for days, you know, you don't get a chance to play the Gators very often, and then to, to beat them on the same day if you're a Hurricane fan is obviously a wonderful moment. But I think then the fan and everybody starts to take over, Bruce, and – People start to dissect this thing, and the truth of the matter is, and, and I'm happy that Al Golden has been so vocal 
on this subject, and it supports what I'm about to say. But even in Victory, and it's a beautiful thing that was in Victory, there were so many things in that ball game that you could take a look at and say, man, they they really got to get better. And you know, I just went through some of them as, as you know, obviously fans have thrown them out as discussion topics for the show tonight. Um, but this is a football team that is far from a finished product. Um, you can't run all over the place yelling and screaming. The Canes are back. The Canes are back. The Canes are on their way back. But this was just one building block along that path. And, um, you know, there's just a huge number of projects for this coaching staff to attack here uh, in this week and next. Well, I think the problem is, is that you included and myself included and probably almost everybody else thought – it was going to be the other way around, that the defense would show some signs of improvement. We would be involved in some sort of an offensive shootout. If we won the game, we'd be 20s or 30s, not 21-16. So the fact that we're sitting here after two games and complaining about the offense is kind of hard to believe, Gary. So, you know, and, and I think they're legitimate questions. I, I, you can't sit here and rip Coley, but I am concerned about the play calling. I mean, I, I, there was somebody that made a comment, I saw it on, on the board, about play-action passing. Well, the bomb the door set was off a play-action pass. The linebackers froze. The safety took a step forward. He bit on it, and Dorsett got past him. So if it worked on that play, and I'm not saying every play-action pass has to be a bomb, but if they're, if they're sitting there with eight guys, non-guys, keying on Duke Johnson, you've got to use him as a decoy and do something else, whether you roll the pocket and dump it off to Walford, who was a tough cover, or do something. But there was one play, I remember, it was uh, Duke had nine yards on first down, and then he got smacked for a three-yard loss on second and one. Now, is that the offensive line's problem? Is it Coley? Even if it's Coley making the call, Gary, how does our offensive line, which is supposed to be our strength, get knocked back as badly as they did on that second down play? That's concerning to me, you know? It it bothers me. Let me let me throw out a few things. Um, you know, obviously this is something I you know I've looked into pretty extensively the last few days. Um, for starters, I don't think anything that we saw out there on Saturday wasn't by design and wasn't by game plan. I think they were aggressive in the first quarter. They jumped out to that eight point lead, and I think they felt very strongly before the game, and it certainly was validated after the game began that they could control this Gator offense and the way they were going to control it. How could you say that, Gary? How could anybody predict that? I'm going to tell you. Let me me finish. That's pretty sad if that's what they thought. All right. Well, just wait. Well, they did it, but let's wait. Just wait a minute. So, you know, I, I think that they felt strongly going into the game that they could successfully shut down the running game and force Driscoll to pass. And I think when they forced them to pass, they they felt confident that they could get pressure on them and force them into mistakes. Um, It was something they had problems with last season, as you reviewed game game tape. So in reality, if that was the game plan, the game plan worked picture perfectly. Now, where it broke down a little bit was once they got the eight-point lead – They decided at that point they were putting the game in the hands of their best player. That's Duke Johnson. I don't think anybody can argue, A, that Duke's the best player on the team, and B, that any coach at any sport who puts a big game in the hands of his best player is is doing the wrong thing. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the National Football League, college football, basketball, college hoops, NBA, whatever. You you want the, the game in the hands of your best player. That's Duke Johnson. That's what they set out to do. Where it broke down was up front. The offensive line 
was abysmal the other day. I mean, let's be honest. They they were terrible. Okay, and 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 I, you know, Arkeo, you know, I, you know, he protects his guys, but I have to believe that if he were sitting here right now on this show, right now he would agree that his guys did not play very well on Saturday, and, and certainly did not live up to the standards of a unit that was supposed to be the building block of this football team. These guys yeah, and also get and also Gary, they, they got to get against... tougher. Right, and, but they, we knew that last and, year. And they they played Notre Dame in Kansas State. They played Notre Dame in Kansas State, and here we are a year later, and this looked like the repeat of the Notre Dame-Kansas State game. They couldn't do a damn thing on short yardage. No, it did, and here's the difference, Bruce. In those games last year, they started throwing the ball all over the sandlot, okay, and it didn't work. They lost every one of those games. Kansas State, Notre Dame, Florida State. They lost every game when that was their approach on offense. They, when they did self-analysis last season, they made a conscious decision as a coaching staff that they had to make a greater commitment to their running game. And that's what they tried to do. And they've got one of the best running backs in America in Duke Johnson. And I'll argue with anybody out there who wants to start you know, tearing down the offensive coordinator because in a big game, he chose to try to go with, with Duke, Duke Johnson. Could he have gone play action a little bit more? Yeah, he probably could have. Could he have thrown a few screens in there? Yeah, he probably could have. But that Gator defense was bringing it big time from the second quarter on. And you know, because they were getting uh, they were getting beaten pretty good in the first quarter, Bruce. And they were bringing I, I know it they hard. Were. I hear you. They, so then yeah, they, were, Duke, they, they were bringing Duke it in the slot. Let's see how they react to something like that. What are they going to well, do? Well, they were bringing it hard. Not in the backfield. Okay. They were bringing it hard starting in the second quarter. And if you're going to keep dropping Stephen Morris back down after down, they were they were going to come after him. And you saw what Miami did to Driscoll. And if it was in reverse. The Gators might have walked out of there with a victory, and then everybody would be more miserable. So what right, I would say about he's not a good he's not a good quarterback, but we should have been throwing screens. I mean, any in any hey, league you you look at it, you throw screens when they're coming after you like that, and we didn't do it. You know, the other thing you have to notice is they 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 went to a very reduced rotation at receiver. They decided oh, to go yeah. with their they decided to go with their va- veterans. Stacy Coley hardly played. Malcolm Lewis was on the field for a couple of plays. They basically went with three guys, okay, Hearns, Dorsett, and Waters for the entire game. You, you can't do that if you're throwing every down. So this no, was, I'm not this, saying to throw every down. Believe me, plan. I'm not saying that. I'm not making that argument at all. I do blame a lot of this on the offensive line. There's a lot of those things should not have been happening. Totally and that, do and that the is offensive true. line. Because the, the, the game plan let's just, let's, let's just switch subjects line. for a second. You mentioned this before, and because somebody asked the question. What is up with, with Dorsett and Morris? Why are they not even – it seemed like they weren't even on the same page half the time. That's a little scary, too, because there were some balls that were thrown that, you know, could have been big mistakes. But um, it's, it's a little and – ro- and Morris rolling left, I agree. He just doesn't seem to have it. He doesn't have his feet set. So I would stay away from that play because it doesn't seem to work at all. Well, yeah, I think it's, I think it's something he's, he's working on. But obviously the receivers and Morris are still working out some things, um, you know, Adjustments on the on the field on game day clearly are, is a work in progress, and and I think you know it should start to be better with the next ball game because it's it's clearly something that they're going to work on big time here in these next couple weeks. So I would expect to start seeing right. that get better. That that's correctable as you know. But you know the biggest thing that I want to stress, you know, because I know it's on the minds of everybody listening, is this was a game plan, okay? And it was a game plan that worked. Okay, they had you know they, they won the game by five points, but they were up by they were up by twelve late in the fourth quarter. Okay, that's a that's success. Okay, so the game plan worked, 
And, you know, I, I think you just got to be careful about being, you know, overly um, critical of the coaches in this situation. Just oh, I, I agree. And I think Savannah State's not going to be much of a test. But I, but I, do, I do think before I hang out, I do think we're going to see Gus Edwards and Stacey Coley and Artie Burns. They're going to start playing from here on in because they need to get ready for the Georgia Techs and the Florida States and the North Carolinas. No you know, they have to get ready for those guys. And they are going to play from here on in. All right, guys, listen, There's, it's great to beat the Gators. I, I, I'm very proud of the coaching staff and the players and Al Golden. He deserved this win. The Kane Nation deserved this win, and we beat the Gators. And take that, ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to, as a parting thought for you, Bruce, you know, I think you're right. I think you are going to start seeing the young kids play more. In that environment against the Gators on Saturday was not the time, not the place. Um, I know some of them probably weren't happy that they didn't get in, but it, you know, there's a time and a place to break in freshmen. That environment on Saturday was for men only, and you can't argue with that decision either. All right, Bruce, no, thanks for All right, great show, guys. Thanks uh, a lot. I'll talk to you next week. And, um, joining us on Kane Sport Live. Okay, we got plenty of more calls coming. Everyone's invited to call in. The number is 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. We've got 50 lines on the board, so don't be bashful. Um, everybody call in and participate tonight. And now we're going to go out to the 515, and you are on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, this is Skibby. Hey, what's up, Skibby? How you doing tonight? Uh, loving life. Beat the Gators. Can't beat, can't beat that. Don't tell me. You're not calling to criticize the play calling, too, are you? <laughs> no, not not at all. I I couldn't be happier with the result. Um, yeah, you know, I that's actually people... wanted to address something. Some, I wanted to address something that's uh, slightly off topic from the Gators. Uh, just something I saw out on the Storm Center. Um, I think. Uh, well, there was a post on the Storm Center about one of our recruits, about Travis Rudolph. Um, someone posted that they saw him at the game and that they yelled at him to stop playing games and to come on board. And I just want to come on here and address, you know, we've been hearing from the school, from the coaches for a long time now to let the coaches do the recruiting. And, you know, it really kind of, you know, it bothers me a little bit to see that somebody who doesn't know Travis Rudolph from Adam yelling at him to stop playing games. I mean, if, if anything's going to turn off a kid having a fan – you know, harassing him about playing games. I think uh, I think people need to heed the advice of our administration and our coaches and just let them do the recruiting. If you don't <laughs> know a guy, don't talk to him. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a fair point. I just, you know, think recruiting has changed so much and it's become a year-round event and so much coverage of it, um, obviously, and so much interest. And uh, these high school kids – become celebrities of their own, you know, and they go to games and people know who they are and everybody wants to talk about them. And Travis Rudolph obviously is a high profile kid because he was once committed to Miami. And uh, so everyone's really aware of him, but you know, I, I think that ship seems to have sailed. I, I do not expect him to come back into the Miami fold. Um, not quite sure how it could have possibly gone as bad as it did, but you know, sometimes that's, you know, the individual kid and how they look at things and, and so forth and so on. So, you know, I, I think that Travis Rudolph ship has sailed. Miami's looking at other receivers. I agree. I just, uh, you know, like I said, I just wish, uh, I wish people, you know, if you don't have a personal relationship with a, with a recruit, then, you know, don't be, don't be creepy. 
<laughs> you mean don't go on don't go on his Twitter, don't go on his Facebook don't, and send him messages. Don't go tweeting him. Don't go sending him messages on Facebook. Don't yell at him at, at games. You know, I mean, it's just it's just it's it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it can be depending on what's being said. So, what else you got, Skibby? Anything else tonight? That's it. All right. Well, thanks a lot for calling. Uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you again uh, next week. Once again, wide open board, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Everybody's welcome to participate tonight on Kane Sport Live. And we are going to go out to the 305 now. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? You there? All right, call back. Um, now let's go out to the 561, and you are live on Kane Sport Live. Well, good, good evening, folks. It's a great day to be a hurricane. Yes, it is, isn't it? Oh, it's a great day. I'm not calling to uh, criticize my Canes ever. <laughs> Win or lose, diehard Kane right here. Uh, my biggest concern is I'm just so, so, so sick and tired of how the NCAA just keeps dragging on this crap. I mean, I just, you know, I'm just waiting for the day that it'll be over, you know, so these kids can uh, really take advantage of all their hard work and dedication they put in and stick with the program. I mean, I just, I mean, I love Duke Johnson for the simple fact, since he was a sophomore, you know, he said he was a cane and he stuck to his commit, you know. And, I mean, I just love the dude. He, I mean, what else can you say about Duke Johnson? Yeah, I mean, I agree, and, and, you know, he didn't really get a chance to get untracked uh, too much the other day because they, that Gator defense, was, I thought, was unbelievable. Um, but, well, you know, like I, mean, I, like I said to the last caller, you certainly can't argue with the fact that they decided to put the game in his hands. You know, he's the best player on the team. He's spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, all, all said and done, he needed a game like that. He needed to get beat up a little bit. You know, it's like tenderizing a steak. It's not good until you tenderize it, right? You know, who wants a tough, <laughs> a tough steak, right? So, I mean, you, I mean, if you're going to be the lead dog, then you got to get whooped sometime. You know, you got to take take it for the team. I mean, he kept sticking his nose in there. He he didn't dive down, try to get out of bounds. I mean, he ran for hard yards. A guy who they said was too small and couldn't take the punishment. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, yeah, I would like somebody... to see. I was going to say, good luck to somebody trying to make that argument about Duke Johnson. I don't know if everybody saw, but the Gators were taking cheap shots at him. Yeah, Every play early in the game. I mean, they, they were hitting him in the pile. I mean, come on, man. Oh, I they mean, were doing on, everything. Man. And he, I mean, he, he it, hung it, in there. It, it, it's like I say. I mean, I, 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 I'll, have, I'll take our offensive problems right now because as bad as our defense was last year, hey, anything is better than what we were last year. So to, be, to do what they did Saturday – shows today that uh, they, they, they've grown a, uh, grown a lot and that all the stuff that they said about the defensive coordinator last year, I mean, it, it, like he said, he had a young team. He could not attack teams like he wanted to because guys didn't know their assignments. Now guys know what they're doing. They're playing without thinking. They're lighting things up. I mean, I mean I, I'm just waiting for Figueroa just to go in there and just go all world on somebody, you know. Oh my God, he's going to be an um, what an unbelievable player he's going to be once he figures out what he's doing. I mean, that kid yeah, looks yeah. I mean, he looks as good as, as physically as any linebacker Miami's ever had. I mean, I mean, you you look at Tracy Howard from year one to year two. You look at Tyreek McCord from year one to year two. 
I mean, I mean, you look at the jumps that these kids are making. I mean, to do what they did, I mean, all week long people were saying that how, I mean, you know, uh, we're going to have to go up top three or four times and Duke's going to have to have a monster game to beat the Gators. And, I, I mean, yeah, we, we, I mean, we got the 14 points and maybe Coley, maybe they didn't want to get too aggressive and, and throw the game away or whatever. You know, I said, I, hey, a win is a win. One point, you know what I'm saying, two points, 30 points. A win is a win. It's all about what you do that game and the next game. And now, you know, not looking forward, but just one game at a time. So I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> I'll if you're a coach, it. if you're a coach, you get into a game like that, what we saw on Saturday, and you're just trying to get out of there any way that you can with a victory. You don't care about style points. You don't care what people are going to say about you on the message boards. You just want to win. And, and I, I mean, thought that Miami. The offense is going to score points. I mean, I'm not worried about that. I mean, they, I mean. It's just like with anything else. I mean, you have a new coordinator. I mean, it's not going to do. I mean, it's things are a little bit different. Jeff Fish is not there anymore. You got to get comfortable. You got to get your timing. I mean, it's like yeah, I would like to see a little bit more little screens. Maybe go you know go four. I mean, I can't wait to the day that they go four or five wide and they put all those speed demons out there. And I want to see somebody stick with it. I really do. I'm just yeah. You'll you'll start seeing it. You'll start seeing it. I'm you know just with that defense which is probably one of the top two or three defenses in college football right now. Saturday was not the time and the place to go four wide on first, second, and third down and air it out. It, it just wasn't. They have, they have a spectacular de- de- set of defensive backs on that team. They have an extremely athletic defensive line, and there just was no no reason to take a game plan like that and subject yourself to what could have resulted from some of those negative plays, and they didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, the defense needed a game like that. If anybody needs, I mean, they needed it. They needed to get that confidence. I mean, they were the ones that were, you know, last year our, our offense where we put up 35, 38 points a game, you know. So to to think that they're not going to score, I mean, you just got to be patient. It's only the second week of the season. I mean, it's the second week of live bullets. Everything else is, you know, it's been training camp. You get what I'm saying? I mean, well, they're so, going to score I mean, plenty so, the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, oh, make man, up I'm, the, oh, I'm make God, up. I'm so, I'm like, this is like, it's perfect. You get Savannah State and everybody's worried about the offense. Well, here you go. Yep, they'll here make you go, up for you know it. what I mean? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I mean, look, we got a great chance to have a great season. You know what I'm saying? Like Coach said today, complacency kills. As long as we stay focused on the goal at hand, is which is take care of every opponent at, that, that you're facing, right? You know, at that time, don't worry about anything else. It's all about that team that you're facing right there, week to week, man. It's all you can do. All right, you got anything else tonight? Uh, only thing to say, man. Proud to be a hurricane. Flag flying high all week, all month, all day. All right, thanks a lot for calling us tonight. All right, you're listening to Kane Sport Live. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and you're welcome to call in 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We are going to go out now to the 305, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Hello. How are you? Go ahead. Very proud to, very proud to be a hurricane. I, I still can't talk from the game, okay? Very proud to be a Hurricane. I think we played a hell of a game. I don't care what people are talking about the offense. I think the man that just called in from 5-6-1, he was right on point. But this guy's play, he's going to do better in the offense. And 
like I said again, I'm I'm proud to be a Hurricane fan, proud to be an alumnus of the university, and I'm basking eating that lizard soup. I'm still eating lizard soup, okay? (laughs) The Gators, we're going to beat everybody. We're going to do great, and watch out FSU. Watch out FSU, okay? We'll be doing great up there, too. So congratulations to our great coach, great coaching staff, all the fans, all those great players, everyone, okay? Having a great time, right? God bless you all. Let's go get them all. All right. Thanks for call- thanks for calling us tonight. You know, it's funny. He mentioned the the, the soup, the little lizard soup, and, and I was turning on the TV last night, and I guess it's alligator hunting season or something um, around the south, and people all over the place are hunting alligators in the swamps and things like that. So I guess it was kind of appropriate that the Miami Gator game uh, was this past weekend as well. Okay, let's go out now to the um, the three five two, and you are now on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, it's Sebastian Pipe. How you doing? Hey, how you doing, Sebastian? Yeah, doing all right. So listen, I got I got a question, and it's kind of predicated on your preseason prediction. So, do you think because the past couple of years we've we've seen we've seen the team kind of lose a game that they probably never should have lost? Do you think that's going to happen again this year? Do you think that we've gotten to that stage where? we're not going to lose those games that we should just clearly win on paper. Um, and, and it's predicated well, on your, your 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 predictions of a 9-3. and three. And I'm assuming you, you had picked the Gator game to be one of those three losses. I did, too. Um, not, not necessarily. You know, I, no. I, I identified a group of games that I thought could go either way. Florida was one of them. Um, I think Georgia Tech in a couple weeks is another. I think at North Carolina is a third. At Florida State, a fourth. Um, Virginia Tech, a fifth. Um, and I'm going to stop there because Virginia and Pittsburgh just don't look very good to me. So um, I'd say there's five. And, you know, if, if you win two of the five, you go, you're going nine and three if you take care of business in the other games. If you win three of the five, you're winning ten games. And obviously, you know, it goes on from there. You know, when I look at this now and I see how some of these teams have shaped up, you know, not nine is not insurmountable. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see it get to 10, but, you know, I don't think you can get too crazy because, you know, this is a team that really is, is hanging on, you know, by a shoestring in a lot of spots, you know, quarterback, very thin safety, very thin running back, very thin, um, I'm not going to say receivers thin because they're still in pretty good shape there. Although you know you'd love to see Scott uh, healthy, um, but there is not a ton of depth on this football team. Knock on wood, they've gotten through the first two games without any serious injuries. But um, you know, I think you just got to take this one at a time. But I certainly don't feel like my nine-win prediction is in any danger uh, whatsoever at this point. Yeah, I don't think it's any danger either. I think I, I think at least ten would probably. I think if we lose three games with our schedule as it is right now, I think it'd probably be a little bit of a disappointment considering the momentum that we have coming off the Florida well, game. You know, maybe, except, you know, I think I think those Florida State and North Carolina games on the road are going to be brutal. You know, I'm real, yeah. I'm expecting those two games on the road to, you know, be absolutely brutal. you got North Carolina, a Thursday night game. Uh, that's going to be a really tough spot. And in, in, in Florida State, everybody sees how good they're playing right now. Um, 
So, you know, we'll just have to see. You know, I, you know, I would say just enjoy it. <laughs> Let's take it week by week. And um, the thing that when I when I made my prediction, the big thing I looked at is it took Butch Davis six years to get the double-digit victories. So I wasn't going to go out there in year three of this Al Golden rebuild and start throwing that number 10 around, you know? So I thought nine yeah. was a good number. Okay. And if obviously hey, um, I don't, if they I don't exceeded, know if this was talked about earlier because I just got on just a second ago, but um, what, what's, what's going on with Bush? What's going on with him? What have you heard? He didn't play at all on Saturday. Yeah, he just still doesn't feel healthy enough to play. I, I think now with two weeks off and and uh, another couple weeks to get ready, that you know I think you might start to see him some against Savannah State. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. And uh, try to get him some. He's going to have to earn that starting spot back the way that um, Jenkins and, and uh, Rodgers have been playing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, he's one of their top two safeties when he's completely healthy and playing at his best. But, you know, we have no reason to believe he's anywhere near that right now. So, you know, the, the good thing is by Casey Rogers stepping up the way he has and Jenkins playing quality football, they don't have to rush Deion Bush too much. And they could take their time with him. Uh, I, I don't think they'll consider a red shirt uh, just because they just don't have enough depth at safety to even think about that. But um, they can take their time, and they don't have to rush them back. And the heart of the schedule really uh, kicks in in October, and uh, that's mm-hmm. when they need to have them ready. All right, Gary, I appreciate it. All right, thanks for calling tonight. All right, we have yeah, a wide open, board, wide open board for you now um, on Kane Sport Live, 646-595-2048. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go out to the um, the eight six three, and you are now on Kane Sport Live. Okay, let me get there. Come on, man, I'll get to it for you. You're on the air. Hello. Yeah, you're on the air. Hello. Guess we lost them. Okay, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Um, let's start diving into that list of um, topic items that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. And uh, one of the first questions that was asked was, "How did the defense improve so much during the off season?" And I think you know it, that's a it's a complicated answer because there's so many factors involved. I think you have the UTUF program, which brought everybody back bigger, stronger, tougher. That clearly was was a, a big part of the equation. And I think you also got to look hard at the talent acquisition efforts of Al Golden and his team and football operations. I personally have never seen anything like it. I think that they just did an incredible job of identifying guys out there, you know, like Justin Renfro and David Gilbert, um, who could come in and help them this year with depth on that defensive line where they really needed it so badly. And, um, you know these guys are pretty good players. I don't know if everybody was watching David Gilbert the other night, but uh, he was sensational in that Florida game, and that's a guy that started every single game last year for Wisconsin. So the moment was not too big for him, and he rose to the occasion. And uh, and Renfro too is a guy who's played a lot of football. He's a fifth year guy, um, doing a sensational job. So the defensive improvement is coming from several different areas: player development, conditioning, and talent acquisition, and a great job of it at that. Okay, the call-in number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. we got a wide-open board for you, and right now we're going to go out to the 502, and you are on Kane Sport Live. 
Hey, Gary. Uh, my name is Logan Clark on Kingsport. Uh, I don't post much. I, I read every day and everything like that. Um, uh, just from my observation, I was in the 135 section, row six, so I got the uh, two interceptions, the uh, turnover on downs we forced on them and stuff like that, so I had a pretty good seat. Uh, but just uh, observing the uh, gameplay, I'm not criticizing anything. I'm just curious to see your opinion um, on the offensive play calling. We weren't attacking the middle of the field um, very much. I don't know if you had seen that. I was looking at their defensive sets for Florida, and they were doing one safety high, but we didn't have any slants or drag routes or any, like, audibles to uh, to at least get those guys to suck over. We were doing more outs and hooks and stuff on the sideline. I just wanted your opinion on that. Well, you know, we talked quite a bit about that um, earlier in the show, and I, and I think, you know, what I said was that, it was a conservative game plan. I, I think they wanted to go after the Gator defense early, which they did. They had success. But I think at that point, when the Gators started to adjust, they wanted to rein it in a little bit, put the game in the hands of Duke Johnson, try to run the football. The problem yeah. is and, – and the problem where it broke down was because the offensive line just had a really bad day. And uh, they were yeah, getting manhandled up front. Yep. And that's what I was kind of curious about is because, I mean, it's hard to see. I haven't got a chance to really watch the replay of it. Uh, and, you know, if the push was so much from the defensive line, was that taking that throwing lane out? Well, I, I, think, at all, I think more so than that, they didn't want to turn the ball over. You know, if you look at how this team took itself out of games last year against um, Kansas State, Notre Dame, Florida State, you know, all those quality teams that they really weren't competitive enough against. Um, a lot of it was due to the freewheeling offense and lack of execution and turnovers. Uh, so they made a conscious decision, I think, to rein that in on Saturday. There'll be moments this year when they air it out and throw the ball when the matchups are more favorable. But that Florida defense had six guys on it that are going to be NFL first-round draft picks. They have a great secondary. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that yeah was, great that secondary was, that and great D-line. Oh yeah, yeah I was very noticeable line. that they, they yeah, they were they were stacking us. Uh they were playing a lot of their guys close to the line. And it was just yep. curious that um I mean I know he went conservative, he was putting the ball in Duke's hands, which Duke did great. He didn't turn it over. I mean, yeah, he was, you know, having to dodge and weave two yards in the backfield to try to get something going. Uh but you know, I'll just you know, just your opinion and uh if you touched on it, I'm sorry, I just kinda got home late but uh no, it's fine. I didn't get to hear uh, the first few minutes. Uh but yeah, the uh the other thing I wanted to say is that the defense I know everybody's gonna say it was phenomenal. We did have a couple breakdowns here and there, but the swarming I mean no I mean you did not see one guy away from the play unless it was the far field corner or something. I mean, those guys were rushing the ball. When I played football, you know, they taught us to do that, and it was great to see them out there. If a guy missed the tackle, there were three guys there to take him down. It was it was unbelievable to see the physicality that we, you know, we went toe-to-toe with them and, and still had energy left to watch them celebrate down there in the end zone where I was at, you know. So it was yep. just uh, it was uh, definitely good to see, you know, everybody talks the conditioning and fire Swayze and all this stuff. But, I mean, those those boys uh, put it together this off season, and, and hats off goes to those assistants. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, get, you know, the offensive play call is going to be what it is. I think it's a lot of, you know, first-year Coley uh, and against a, a phenomenal defense. I mean, I, I'd like to see what this defense does against the rest of the SEC. It's going to be, you know, the, the the barometer for me as far as our offense progressing and watching that defense shut down other opponents. 
And, yeah, uh, great point. Go from there. All right. Well, well thanks you know, a lot, Gary. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. For- Thanks for calling tonight. A um, couple things I'll point out is I don't think you're going to see a better defense this year uh, play against the Hurricanes. I don't think there's any question about that. And you know, in talking about uh, con- the conditioning aspect of things, um, you know, you look at uh, the plays that Miami had to defend in the first half. Forty-five plays in 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 that the first half of that ball game, just unimaginable that they were on the field for that long. Yet they held up. And then I don't know if anybody noticed this, but in the second half, they only um, had to defend 32. So they went from 45 to 32. That was a big deal. The reason they were able to do it was third down conversions and doing a better job there. But Florida was five of eight on third down in the first half. They were only um, they were only one of seven in the second half. To me, that was the key to the ball game. All right. Um, again, the call in number six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. We got a full board open for you, and now we are going to go out to the three zero five, and you are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Hello? Gary. Yes, sir. Who's this? Long time subscriber. I wanted to uh, talk about Stacy. He didn't get a lot of action. Um, do you think it's because of the remorse from the last game? Or he just really was still a little nervous out there and really couldn't get comfortable. Well, I think they were protecting the young kids on Saturday. You know, I, I, when you they threw Stacy Coley out there against FAU, um, he showed everyone that he wasn't quite ready yet. You know, the you know he had those drop passes, um, still working through some nerves and things like that. And I, I think it would have been it's that environment on Saturday is, is unfair for a true freshman to be, have to be a part of. And, you know, it's one thing for Muhammad to go out there and, and get a couple pass rushes in and things like that. But, you know, to ask Stacey Coley to do a ton in that ball game, would he have been able to do it? Maybe. But, but they were, they had three veterans available that they could ride with. And that's what they did in, in uh, Hearns, uh, Dorsett and Waters. And, you know, I can't argue with it at all. I, I, I think you win big ball games like that with your veteran players. Uh, and that's what they tried to do. You know, and I agree. I mean, I think Golden has a plan. Um, he knows that Stacey's going to get acclimated during the year. He's a hell of a talent. He's going to definitely come out. And uh, we're going to need him against FSU, definitely, because they might have more talent around the board. But um, I also wanted to talk about Denzel. I mean, is this guy one of the best in the country? I mean, I know it's still kind of early, but he has a nose for the ball, and he pops you. And that first fumble, he popped that kid right where the ball was. So, I mean, he might be one of the best in the country. Well, let me tell you what's going on with Denzel Perriman. There's something going on in front of him this year. You know, that wasn't the case the last couple of years. Yeah, that, that there, definitely there, helped. There, there, there's some big boys up front now who are doing their job. You know, Porter's now in the in the 335 range. You're bringing another 300-plus pound guy in Renfro, uh, clogging up that middle. Olsen Pierre is now 305 pounds. These guys have gotten bigger and stronger and better, and – them doing their job up front is allowing Denzel Perriman to make 13 tackles in the Miami-Florida game, and uh, he's going to be a great beneficiary of it the entire season, and he's going to get to show the true talent that everybody's known that he has, and uh, it's great to see it. And and you know the other thing about Denzel that the coaches have been working with him on is his work ethic and and you know getting in better condition, which he now is, and uh, he's a whole different player. And, you know, he came from Gables, same with uh, Velma, so never know. Yep. 
All right, man, I well, appreciate maybe. it. I just want to leave you with uh, we knew Tyreek McCord was going to be a beast. Um, they didn't talk about him much in the offseason because they knew he was going to come in. I mean, we all knew he was a talent, so he's definitely changed the aspect. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not sure we knew it. You know, I, I, I think he had to prove it to us, and I, and I think on Saturday he went a long way towards starting to do that. Uh, Tyreek McCord had a phenomenal, phenomenal ball game and uh, certainly looks like another young player who has a good future with the Hurricanes. All right, now we're going to go out to the 3-5-2, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Is that me? That's you. You're on the air. Hey, hey, hey Gary. A um, couple of things. I just tuned in, so I hope I'm not covering anything that you guys have been talking about. Um, not a problem. We'll spank you if you do. They they really hosed our offensive line. And I, I'm not a total recruit, Nick, but I, I, I watch recruiting and I agree that that defensive line that we played this weekend, that's the best we're going to see. I don't care what anybody says. And our guys still really, they, 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 they were in there, but I mean, they the, the, the media, they really hosed on our offensive line. And I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, sur- I'm up here in, in Ocala, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of Gator and SEC fans, and they they talk about Alabama. They're bigger, they're stronger. Well, go on the websites. Our guys are bigger, and they and, and even the the linebackers. They said we got little linebackers. I'm going on the our website, and I'm like, our guys are as big as anybody out there. What's the deal? They're not as tough. It's a toughness issue. Our guys looked like it this Saturday, buddy. Yeah, it's a toughness issue. And, you know, you, you get into a ball game, you know, those were some ballers over there on the other sideline. Uh, those were those were nasty guys with nasty intent. And you get into a ball game like that, you, you better be able to match it with the same level of nastiness. And uh, I'm not sure that's the personality of these kids on the Miami offensive line. You know, they're nice kids. You know, Brandon Linder, um, McDermott, um, you know, Flowers. These guys aren't aren't werewolves. You know, these these are nice, you know, nice kids that, you know, you want to have over for for dinner if it wasn't against NCAA violations, you know, NCAA rules. Um, You know, so, you know, I think that was an issue on Saturday. Uh, You know, just the overall toughness uh, of that group. Uh, they didn't have a good day, and I think it made the offense look bad. That put the, put them in bad situations. It, it compromised the game plan, which was to run the ball and give it to Duke Johnson or Bus. And it is what it is. I think you know, but I, I think people got to be careful about overreacting to it. I think there's going to be plenty of Saturdays when the matchups are much more favorable, and you see this offense explode. Anything else tonight? Okay, um, let's go out now to the um, let's go to the five one five, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, this is Gibby again. Hey Gibby. Hey, I uh, just wanted to uh, say one more thing. You know, last year, you know, for all the people dogging our offense. You know, last year, our defense did nothing but lose games for us. Yesterday or Saturday. Our defense won that game for us, and you yep. know that says that says a ton. That's all I wanted to say. You know, we finally have a defense that can, that we can rely on to win games for us. Yeah, um, you, you you hope so. You know, they got to do it week after week now. But uh, certainly Saturday they showed up big. Um, were 
enormously better than they were a year ago, and uh, I'm sure everyone's real proud of that. That's all, all right. Anything else? All right. Thanks for calling back. Um, we got a wide open board for you guys. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. We want everybody to call in and be a part of tonight's show. Now we're going to go out to the nine seven three, and you are live on King Sport Live. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Hey man. Who's hey. This? Um, I was trying to call in last week and all the week before that, and we got through. But um, one of my concerns are is that um. The offensive line, I think the guys, I think the coaching staff was kind of like mingling too much, even last year. Uh, when Duke, in, in, in the FAU game, when Duke did not pick up the, um, the third and one and the fourth and one, I went back and I looked at the um, the, the, uh, the, the game. I, 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 I replayed it and I replayed it again and I stopped and I looked. We had different combinations of different guys that we're trying to put on the offensive line. I think we should just go with five guys to almost at halftime and play those five guys. I think one of the issues was uh, we won the game, but one of the issues is that those guys are not used to playing with each other a whole entire half, and they kind of went that way this uh, Saturday, and I don't think those guys are used to playing next to each other. I think they mingle and fool around with that offensive line too much. You know what? Uh, aside from the toughness issue, which I just talked about with the previous caller, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I think that, that sometimes you can, uh, especially with offensive linemen, you can move them around too much. And, you know, I'm watching Feliciano and Bunch and those guys switching from tackle to guard and, and, and moving from left side to right side and stuff like that. And, and, and I agree with you that they might be better off just picking their five best and, and, and rolling with it. And, you know, yeah, and obviously. If somebody gets gonna... tired, you give them a blow. If they right. you evaluate coming into the second half. Now, another point I wanted to make, and I know a lot of people is picking on them, picking on them this week. Uh, I'm not going to go to the point where I'm picking them because I think he does a lot of line calls and he helps, he helps out the offense a lot. Nick Dermott. Nick Dermott is a guy that I think really get pushed off the ball. And when he get, a put, when he get pushed off the ball, I think that kind of disrupts everything else that goes on. But I'm going to go ahead and give him a break, and I'm going to watch him going forward. Savannah State is not going to tell me anything. Moving forward, even against South Florida, I'm going to keep evaluating them because I'm going to be honest with you. Wheeler, Wheeler is a hell of a, is a hell of an offensive lineman. I think even if he doesn't, he, he never will probably start for us probably, but I think he'd be able to play in the NFL because he, he's one of those nasty type guys that you're talking about. He's one of those well, guys. Well, he's getting better he and better. Course. You know, he just can't crack the starting lineup. Because I think that, you know, I think they've always they fell in love with McDermott. And don't forget, I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm trying to smart down the room, but don't forget they get McDermott's brother, and he, they also have another year with McDermott. They don't want to piss anybody off. But let me just um, jump to a quick point real quick. I was one of those guys, and um, you might not agree with me, but I was one of those guys that was really down on. Um, Chicklio, I really thought Chick was not getting it done. He showed me something. Number 71 showed me something Saturday. And like his Golden best game, Hall in my opinion. Yeah, I thought that was and, the best and, he's and, ever played. I agree, and one thing Golden always say, be the same person every day. Because last year I used to remember looking at that depth chart, and it seemed like everybody else got was in and out of that depth chart, and his name was like a staple there. It never changed, and I never felt like they 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 held him to they they they, they, they held him accountable like they held everybody else accountable. I'm not, I'm not picking on him. I'm just one of those guys. I'm a diehard. 
And anything that's going to make my Canes win, that's what I want to say. So um, that's all I got to say, man. I really enjoy your show when I get a chance to listen to it. And um, go Canes. All right. Glad you could get through this week. And um, thanks for calling. Now we're going to go out to the 480-480, and you are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? How are you, man? Doing good. Where's the 480? That's in Phoenix, what? Arizona, brother. Oh, there Phoenix, you go. Arizona. Okay, yeah, I didn't, Crawford, I didn't recognize it. Didn't recognize that one. Well, thanks for joining us from Phoenix. What can we do for you tonight? No, I, I, you know, I, I guess uh, the previous caller actually stole my thunder. I was going to say that um, I was one of the guys that was the hardest on Chicolo. Uh, last year, uh, all over the blogs, and then and then coming into this year, you know, with uh, all of the expectation, I, I, and then him having dropped down on the depth chart uh, at the last part of uh, of uh, fall camp, I was really wondering, you know, if Chicolo was really the guy for the job. And I have to say that this past Saturday, I don't know that there was a an unsung hero bigger than than Chicolo. I agree. I mean, what that guy I- did. You know, the the thing with Chicolo is I, I think he came into college thinking he was going to be a speed outside rusher, but he doesn't really have the athleticism to be a speed outside rusher. He, you know, he did in high school and was very successful in that role, but when he came to college, he had to get bigger uh, and put on some weight, and I think that slowed him down just a little bit. And he just doesn't have the outside – pass rushing skills of like a McCord or a Muhammad. So he's had to adjust his game a little bit. And, and I think he, a part of that was buying into what Mark D'Onofrio was trying to do with him. And I thought he bought in better than I've ever seen him on Friday. Uh, I mean, on Saturday, I thought he just did a great job. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, you know, save for some of the big um, uh, passes that, uh, that Driscoll uh, had in that game, all of the running plays that were, uh, that were directed towards his side, principally those sweeps with those counters and the two pulling guards or the guard and the tackle pulling from the other side, Chicolo splashed everybody inside. I mean, really made him bounce out, given Denzel uh, and Thurston uh, all of these opportunities to, to tackle, uh, you know, their big back behind the line. I mean, it was it was it was almost magical to see him sort of do that because. That's exactly what needs to to be done, you know, and uh, and and he sacrificed his potential ability to make a play on that to allow our our linebackers to fly around and and hit these guys in the face, and I thought that said a lot about the team chemistry. That said a lot about his maturity. Uh, said a lot about his improvement, and uh, to his uh, to his credit, I think he's going to be a better teammate, and and subsequently we're going to be a better team uh, because of it. So. That was my only point. I know the previous caller had beat me to the punch, but I just wanted to, you know, shine a little light on Chickalow because I, I have been a little bit hard on him and I was uh, vocal about about his contribution to the team. But you know, I, I'll swallow my pill and uh, and I think that uh, this only bodes well for the for uh, for the for the future. So. Well, you know what? It was fair. You know, he he wasn't producing like everybody expected him to, and. You know that that's what fans do. You know, you, you everyone evaluates, and and I didn't think any of the evaluations were unfair. And I think it's great that everyone's noticing how well he's playing this year because he is a different guy. All right, thanks so much for calling. Um, hope you'll be able to join us again uh, next week. Now let's shoot out to the seven three two, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hi Gary, thanks a lot. Um, I'm prejudiced in a way because I've known Al Golden since 1986. 
When oh, yeah? He was just a little, yeah, because he and my son played on the same high school football team. They were teammates, and they graduated together. Oh, wow. And uh, so I, when before, uh, when Golden would mention, I I would one of the first, I think, on your board to mention that I wanted him to be our head coach, knowing his, uh, his background and the type of individual he was. And, in fact, you know, he played at Penn State as a, basically a tight end, yet in high school he was actually a linebacker. So he he's pretty well-versed in both offense and defense. But getting to the real point, uh, I admit I did pick Miami to win the game because I go back uh, since I've been a Kane fan since 58 and graduated from Miami in 1962. So I've been through the good, the bad, and the horrible. And as poorly as most of the fans we think uh played in the, over the past uh, seven, eight years, to me, it was a lot better than what I saw in the 70s when we almost lost the team. But getting to the point of this past game, my only if I had a criticism, it would only be on one point, and that would have been the offensive line. I was disappointed with that. But yep. be that it may, um, football is a game of mistakes, and I don't think most of these folks get it. And the fact that we had five takeaways, we also had the point where we stopped them around, what, was the 17 or the 16-yard line on a fourth down play? The mushroom didn't go for the field goal. And the key to the whole game, believe it or not, in my opinion, was the idiocy of mushroom going for the two-point play when it was 7-6 in the first first half. That, to me, made no sense whatsoever. And well, I, I think, think he thought it would a, be a tight game. He was trying to steal a point, and he saw North Carolina do it last year. Yeah, and to me, it, it still doesn't make sense. I, my feeling was, uh, my reaction was, I thought he, he had disdain for Miami, that he thought he could take it over. But you look at Miami's um, defense, um, I think, what would it mention that? Florida was supposed to run Miami into the ground, and yet if you look at their uh, ground offense, they only gained 2.8 yards per, per carry. That, that's pretty sad. It was bad at Miami going the other way, and if it wasn't for um, what's the receiver, that little receiver is catching Dunbar. Dunbar was uh, catching most of the ball. Bur- uh, Burton made a couple of good plays, but he also made stupid penalties. So uh, the Again, games were mistakes, but in the reality, the better team did win the game. It won the game. And um, and to people to worry about Stephen Morris, forget it. He has a track record. Those things will be uh, straightened out. And when you start seeing uh, some of the other teams we play, even though they might be tough, Miami will open it up. And one thing, if you'll notice, remember the Florida Atlantic game? We played everybody and his brother. And yep. I figured going into the Florida game, you're not going to see that. It almost reminded me when the old days when I went to the Ringling Brothers and Bonham and Bailey Circuit in Madison Square Garden, and these clowns came out of this uh, car, the little car, whole bunch, <laughs> you know, like the uh, Chinese uh, it, thing. It, it was, you know, it's crazy. And uh, and they tightened up the game. They played fewer players because I think Golden, just what you said, would be very conservative. And remember, we never gave up the lead. Well, it was we for men only. We all the way. We never gave it up. It was for men so, only on Saturday and uh, not a great game for true freshmen. Uh, thanks so much for calling in. Hope you'll um, join us again in future weeks. Uh, one hour down, one more to go here on Kane Sport Live. 646 595 
Give us a call and join in the show. And now we're going to shoot out to the uh, 239, and you are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. How you doing? Thanks for holding on. I'm doing. This is Carlos. Um, I just got several points um, that I wanted to talk about. Go ahead. Uh, not, you know, I didn't like the play calling like a lot of people. And it's not that I didn't like the play calling. I just didn't like the fact that we didn't adjust. I mean, you know, you had Stephen Morris that would go up to, you know, to the center, then check, and then he would go back, you know, and then read the play from the sidelines. What if they adjusted by not adjusting? You know, I, I, well, I, I I'm think talking that, about you – know, you know, you're not going to hear the coaches talk about this because because that would be you know stupidity on their part. But what if their adjustment was not adjusting? You know, the Florida defense clearly did something after the first quarter. They they were getting you know run over up in you know Miami scored two touchdowns in the first quarter. They, they Florida adjusted seven or eight in a box. Correct. They started, now, I mean, Stephen would but, see but, seven but let me in ask you a box. question real before you go on. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a quick question before uh-huh. you go on, and then and I'll give you back the floor. What if they adjusted, which, you know, maybe Florida wanted them to adjust. What if they adjusted and started throwing the ball more, and that resulted in more sacks, that potentially resulted in turnovers, and that resulted in a loss at the end of the day? Then what would everybody be saying? You know, I think we've got to be a little bit careful how we critique this ball game. This, this ball game on Saturday was a little bit of a different kind of beast, okay? Florida's a very good team with a great defense, and they had to be careful in how they approached it and attacked it in my opinion, and I think that's what they did. Um, go ahead, you're back on. No, no, I, and I understand that. I'm happy, trust me. I've been a Kings fan since 87. I mean, I was jumping up and down and everything, but I'm. But what I'm talking about is that they would go up to center, show a run. You know, Florida would put seven or eight in the box. He would, you know, stand up, look at the sidelines, come back, and they would still run it. And then we would lose three yards. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, they didn't even budge from putting seven or eight in the line, and you're going to still roll what obviously was a running play that, that it looked like before. But what if they're trying to bait you? What if they're trying, Carlos, what if they're trying to bait you into doing what they want you to do? You know, look at what Miami did to Driscoll. They hit that kid 11 times hard in that ball game. I'm not talking about, like, you know, little uh, – you know, patty cake hits. I'm talking about they assaulted that kid 11 times in that ball game on Saturday, and that had a huge impact on the game. I think it, it broke him down mentally. I think it, it forced him into some of those mistakes he made in the red zone. And you know, what if that was Stephen Morris? You know, I, I, I'm telling you, I think people are underestimating what kind of ball game that was and the dynamics of it. And, and I don't have any problem with the approach they took offensively. I mean, I obviously I know they have weapons. And I know that they can play action and screen and, and all the things everybody wants them to do. And I think they're going to do that at many times in the next 10 games. Uh, but I understand what they were doing on Saturday, and I think it was effective. I, I don't know. I, it also showed me that how much you know we miss Mike James in the sense of having a power back to complement Duke. You know, that wouldn't whole matter. And lightning. The way the I offensive mean, line was getting manhandled, it wouldn't have mattered the other day. The offensive line could, could not get the job done. Well, when our big backs, Maurice Hagen gets the ball down the middle, he's, you know, he went five or six yards. And then, that you know, one play that a lot of people are not talking about that they would have if we would have lost the game was when Eduardo Clement ran to the, all the way to the Florida 35, and they called that phantom pass, I mean, holding call, where the make announcers on ESPN. I'm sorry? It was a make-up make call. <laughs> you yeah, know, for the one they, they gave us, like, we were from the Florida 35, we went back to our own 45. 
You know what I'm saying? They gave I mean, one the to Florida the series before. Florida had won the series before. So, you know, the refs were fair. I thought it was a very well-officiated game. I don't know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy to be a Kane. I think we're going to go, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go far this year. I'm pretty sure we'll be 7-0 and before we hit. I don't I don't have a problem with North Carolina. They lost their biggest threat that killed us last year, Giovanni, and he's gone, and I don't think, you know, we're going to have any problems with them. Just looking forward well, to Florida State. I, I hope you're right, obviously. I do think that that Thursday night game at Carolina is going to be a bear. Uh, but obviously, if you got Miami at 7-0 and, and, and Florida State undefeated for that game November 2nd, uh, wow, what a great day that'll be in Tallahassee. All right, thanks um, thanks a lot for calling. Let's now go to the 330, um, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how's it going? How you doing? Thanks for holding on. I'm doing wonderful. Hey, I'm living up here in the uh, uh, Ohio area and uh, had a chance to watch the game, and uh, it was great to see the defense just uh, – play like madmen again i tell you i really wasn't expecting it um kudos to mark d'onofrio and the work that that they did defensively you know i was a little bit afraid last year when golden was talking about putting weight on all the guys because the first thing i thought was you know i know chickalo put on like 20 25 pounds one year and the next year he came back and he was like like really really slow and uh so i was concerned about that but uh it looks like they found a good balance with, with maintaining the speed and, and putting the yes. weight on. That's a great so, way to describe it, a balance. I, I agree with you. The perfect way to describe Anthony Chicola. They found a balance. Right, and I think that, you know, the the three, I think what they've sort of uh, figured out is that Chicola is going to be a 3-4 defensive end, you know, so he's going to have, you know, where he's, you know, as he puts on more weight next year, he'll, he'll probably come back in the 280s and, you know, as a 3-4 defensive end, that'll help prospects in the NFL because there's more 3-4 defenses now. But, yeah, but uh, I think people I'm, are too fixed. At, why is everybody so fixated on this 4-3-3-4 thing? The fact of the matter is they're playing both. You know, sometimes they're lining up in, 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 with three down linemen. Sometimes they're lining up with four. Um, you know, I don't I don't see why it's such an issue, why people, you know, uh, talk about it so much. I, I, I think the things they're doing on defense are good. Well, let me ask you a question. When you look at this defensive line, you know, compared to Florida's, um, I mean, who do you see on our defensive line that can be as disruptive or even remotely close to, like, easily in some of those guys? Right now, nobody. But, you know, that doesn't mean they can't – the guys there can't be effective. I don't see a franchise guy at this point on the defensive line, uh, and I'm not going to project any of these freshmen – right now to to become that those type of players but you know what you have is a bunch of guys who have all individually gotten better and collectively they're doing a great job and i thought miami controlled the line of scrimmage on saturday against the gator team that's built for smash mouth football and uh you gotta you know hold your hat out to them hey now i'm i'm a former player i'm not going to give my name but i will say this that i went to a cleveland browns uh a practice i just got uh relocated up here <clears throat> so i went out to the practice because i know chud is out there and i actually played with him and uh went out there to the practice and found out there were, there were like four former hurricanes working on his staff that uh that i played with in college so that was uh-huh. real uh brad Rowe. i saw uh mike sullivan's the offensive line coach uh uh-huh. uh russell maryland is out there as well 
So I would say to all the Hurricane fans, uh, keep your eyes on the Cleveland Browns. That's uh, that's Hurricanes number two. So, all right, Gary, that's all I have to say. All right, thanks for calling us tonight. Yeah, obviously, you know, got to pull for Chud, got to pull for Mark Tressman, got to pull for Chuck Pagano. A lot of former Canes in the National Football League now. All right, let's slide back down to the 305, and you are now live on Cane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Is that me? Hey. Yeah, you're on. How you doing? Yeah, I we I called in about 30 minutes ago. Um, I want to talk about Al Golden's attitude right now. I, I really I think it's it. the right thing to do. Um, he knows that, it's a big dude. win. Um, one play here, one play there, we could have lost. If Tracy doesn't get that big pick, McCord, I mean, we're on our heels a lot of the game. But Golden has really surprised me with his knowledge of the U history. He knows it's all about the defense making plays. Maybe that's why the offense maybe was off. Florida had a lot to do with that. But he knows it's we want to have a scary defense. We want some big hitters out there. We want people making plays. And, and I've been really surprised of how much Golden knows the history of the U. Um, so I just want to talk about that. I really think he has the right attitude. I think it's good. We're in a zone right now. Why not work even harder and get to the best that we could be? And, um, you know, I'm really digging his attitude. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, he totally gets it, has plans for everything, extremely well-organized, um, a great CEO, and he showed us on Saturday that he can win a big football game, which was the one question mark, I think, on his portfolio. You know, he just hasn't had a lot of big football games as a head coach in his career. You know, he built that Temple program, obviously, but Temple never played in a in a really big game. Like, no, certainly nothing like Miami, Florida, that he stared eye to eye with on Saturday. So, um, I think Miami has a phenomenal head coach. I think he's going to be a superstar in this business, and I think he's doing a great job of building this program to win year after year. It's year three. I don't think he's there yet, um, but I think he's moving at a faster pace um, than maybe even the great Butch Davis did, who didn't really arrive in a big-time way until year six. And um, Golden's certainly looking like you know he can potentially get there um, quicker, uh, just doing a great job acquiring talent, managing the roster, uh, running the program almost like an NFL team. And you know what? I think that's what won the game. Um, his intangibles, his CEO in him, his <clears throat> leader in him. I think that was a huge part of the win. And uh, I mean, obviously with the defense as well, but that's something we didn't really had in, in, a, in a little while since, you know, we had Coker and Shannon. They weren't the leader that we needed. Running well, an organization. Know, it's not just one facet, it's not the other facet, it's every facet, and that's what makes everything successful. I mean, you know, let's be honest, there were times when they got their butt kicked the other day. I mean, you know, the stats, you know, you look at the stat sheet, it's absurd. You know, Florida, um, you know, just totally dominated, oh, yeah. well, you, know, the, you know, a lot of, a large portion of that ball game. But, you know, sometimes you got to win, even though you're not the best team, and, you know, I think that was the case. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with things going your way during the course of a football season. So, um, again, you just can't compliment Al Golden. That's why he knows we need to kick it in the higher gear. Um, then Tandles want it, the extra work ethic want it, but we got to get, you know, we got to get focused and, and bring our talent out there. Um, I just had a question. Do you know if we had any guest speakers off time uh, before the game, if any former UM players uh, had a speech? You know, they often do. Um, I didn't hear of anyone special uh, this week. If if they did have them, um, you know, it's possible. You know, I wouldn't necessarily have heard about it. I, I often do. Uh, so I don't know of any special speaker uh, this week. But uh, I know Coach Golden does try to bring guys in relatively regularly. 
And what about Tracy Howard, man? I know, uh, you know, I follow the site, and I know that uh, Crawford was really looking like the leader there, and Gunter, you know, consistent. We saw him play last year. Some, You know, he brought some consistency to the position, but Tracy Howard is taking this thing personal with, you know, not just on the field, but off the field. And, um, I mean, it's a whole he might have came in with too much swag, but now his swag is at the right level. Um, he knows the correlation between the swag and the work ethic, and that's what Golden brings to the team. So, um, well, you know, yeah. you're you're on a roll tonight. I love the way you're describing things because that's very accurate. You know, I think he did come in with too much swag, had to be grounded a little bit last year, had some had some problems from time to time, but got his head together, and is a whole different player this year, and has taken that step forward. And you know what? That's something that uh, we just to go back on. You know, maybe the disappointment we've had, you know, in the last few years and you know last decade or whatnot is that we're missing out on those kind of players. I mean, we're getting those players, but we weren't developing them mentally like Golden's doing. And you can tell, man, just by hearing these guys in the press conferences and just to hear what they're saying in the verbiage, it just it's really consistent with what you need to bring onto a field and to the organization. So, man, yep. Golden, heads up job, man. He's really bringing it to our uh, – bring us back. Yep, no doubt. All right, well, thanks a lot for calling us tonight. Hopefully uh, we'll hear from you again next week. Uh, now let's shoot over to the 904, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, 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 Gary. Yes, Gary. sir. Who's this? This is Phil. How are you? Who? What did you say? Kane's 100%. My name All is right. Phil. Hey, what's up, Phil? How are you doing tonight? Thanks for the uh, the serenade. Good, good. I did it to you once before about last year, you remember? Or a couple of years ago. But, uh, no, I appreciate everything you guys do. I think it's great. The Tuesday night talk show, it's awesome. And uh, I just wanted to be a part of it, but I appreciate it. Been a shield. My number is 121, so I'm catching up to you. Your shield's 150. But, um, <laughs> just kind of, You're counting. I know. <laughs> if, you, if you could uh, unsubscribe to your own, own website for a few, few years. But, uh, okay. <laughs> no, I just kind of want to talk about com and, and everything you guys are doing. And um, kind of what you guys have, you know, planned for the future or adjustments, you know, it's video and a lot of golden, you know, giving a lot of media access this year with videos online, like HurricaneSports.com. They got a lot of videos going up. Um, I know you guys are right up, right up in there too. I hear you talking on them, and then we get your videos and a lot of write-ups. Um, are you guys planning on doing more videoing on the site, or kind of? I was just wondering about any. Future for this year coming. I think right now the focus, you know, we're we're of course grinding every single day, you know, 365 days a year. You know, I mean, you're on the site, you see what we do. But I think the big focus right now is on technology. Uh, We got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, I I think at some point, I'm not I'm not going to predict when because you know, with with uh, programmers and technicians and things like that, you know, you can't really predict those things um, and when they're going to finish their jobs and stuff like that. But, you know, I I think the day will come here um, when you see a a site overhaul and redesign. Uh, We've got some exciting things uh, going on in in, in the development uh, phase right now. And uh, beyond that, just watching a lot more videos of a lot of behind the scenes. Like today I watched an NCAA interview with, yep. uh, I don't know the girl's name, but with Al Golden and a lot of stuff. Yep. Well, yeah, we're, you know, we're expanding. Definitely Here's what we're doing. 
film. We're we're expanding our partnerships is what we're doing. And um, yeah. you know, we we have a partnership with with the ACC Digital Network now. Um, okay. We have a we have a partnership with with an operation called Campus Insiders. Which, is, awesome. which will be providing some of that video content to us from time to time, and and we in awesome. turn will also be providing video content to them um, and participating in their programming. So yeah, we're expanding our relationships with different people, and and um, you know we have a long-standing partnership with you know QAM, and um, you know we just you know try to pick the right partners so that we can give you guys the best content possible. Yeah, and you guys have definitely been doing that, and a lot of the videos, it's kind of opened up. Um, with Golden, you know, the last couple of years, now going into his third year, he's yep, he's great. It, it's kind of been noticeable about the little bit of more media access issue. We've had some clips on your site from you know field access practice, um, a lot of drills been going on, and it's been great. Um, when they let us, really, when they the let us out, yeah, we're on the case. <laughs> Definitely, and one of the things too um, is kind of how do you see us going into the Georgia Tech game? It's kind of one of those weird. Weird matchups, definitely with their their triple option offense, yeah, and always, how they've been. We've challenge. actually matched up great against them. Exactly, and Zanofrio has been great. Even yeah, he when knows uh, how to Shannon defend was it. here, we played him. Yeah, how he, do you see that game going to, this year for us? Well, he knows how to defend it. You know, they're not going to yeah. not know what to do, but you still got to go do it. You know, it challenges you every play. Um, I'm expecting that game to be a tough ball game. I I, I really am. You know, I think definitely. Georgia Tech presents a lot of challenges. It went right down to the wire last year, and. Uh, I would not be surprised if it did the same this year. I mean, that's one of the about four games left on the schedule that I've got circled uh, yeah. that I expect to be very, very tough. Yeah, definitely. The All 904 right. for our list is Jacksonville, and we got Jed Fish up here for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So yeah, I was excited doing? that we got is, Jed is Fish. He doing, is he doing a good uh, job? He over just doesn't have the talent. He, he just doesn't yeah. have the talent. I mean, a great coach. I'm excited. I think he can develop the team. Um, uh-huh. But I was picking – you know, I went down to the opener for for the Canes, got a house in Stewart, so we just made a little trip. But uh, didn't go to the Florida game. But I'm, I picked the uh, Georgia Tech game by a ticket four instead of Virginia Tech. Figured oh, that'd be just a great yeah, that'll be a nice little road trip for you. Yeah, but uh, I'm glad I'm, we got Coach Coley. Obviously, we got our first year hiccups. We all wanted a smooth transition, you know, as if Jed Fish never left, just for the continuity. And, uh, you know, the middle of the game, passing game, downfield passing attack. But I think Coach Cole is really, you know, with this year, he'll grow. And I think as the season progresses, uh, we'll really see kind of where Jed Fish left the offense and, and Coach Coley's hands and have a great season. All right, Phil. Well, we thank you very much for calling tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again uh, next week as well. Lines are open, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Now let's wander over to the um, 772, and uh, you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How's everything going? Going good. How you doing? Who's this? Uh, this is Ramon uh, from Vero Beach. Uh, All right, Ramon. Want... What's happening? Uh, not much. Um, I'm stoked about the defense, obviously. I know everybody's really beating down on the offense. But um, before we got it, before we got it clicking last year, we went through our rough spots and everything. But in those games that we lost to Kansas State and Florida State and Notre Dame, there was one thing that didn't happen. There was no 52-yard touchdown pass that Philip set. And I think that's half the battle is, you know, you have to see those plays to, to make them consistently, in my opinion. 
<laughs> you know, I was thinking about that Notre Dame game when that ball was in the air the other day. And, uh, you know, the, the, Philip Dorsetta does not have a problem getting open. I'll tell you that. I mean, just a dynamic athlete runs, you know, four, two and change. And, uh, oh, yeah. they got to give him, they got to give him a lot of space in the secondary and, uh, he's going to get open now. And, uh, but yeah, that ball was in the air and I couldn't help but think about Chicago last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched that ball and I, uh, it seemed like in the time that ball was in the air, I could have watched, I could have watched the movie, how long it was up there, but. Well, I mean, it was, it, it was like, I think it was like that because of the fact that he dropped a couple of them last year and oh, yeah. everyone was probably holding their breath. Uh, yeah. when they saw how open he was. But he caught the ball this time around, and uh, good for him, and I think it shows you how he's progressed as a player. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think that's half the battle. I mean, and now that you've done that against a, a top-notch defense like Florida, you know, I think that only empowers him and other players to feel like they can do that against against other competition coming up. You know, not to, not to veer too far down the road, you know, with the Florida State North Carolina games, but I think when they come to those games, you know, they have the mindset that, you know, I, I, I saw I saw us make those plays. Now we can continually make those plays. Yep, no doubt about it. I think he'll make a lot more of them as the season goes on. Uh, you have anything else tonight? Uh, yeah, I just want to tell you a funny story real quick. I, I watched the game at my dad's house. He was a huge Gators fan, and all my all my family's pretty much Gators fans. And, uh, you know, I, I went in there. I went, I went into the – a smaller version of the swamp, and my funny enough, not only did we beat them, but my dad's best friend is, is a Notre Dame fan, and he when he saw the ball go in the air, he said, "Uh, Dorsett's gonna drop it like he did against us." And not only did we <laughs> win the game, but Notre Dame got beat down by Michigan later on that night, so that that was pretty awesome from my from my yeah. standpoint. That's what he gets for messing with you, huh? Oh yeah, but uh, <laughs> his, te- his, again, his Gary, team his team got pounded. Oh, yeah. But once again, Gary, I uh, love the stuff you guys do. Um, love everything, uh, the uh, the videos with you and Matt Showdale, and just keep them coming. All right, brother. All right, man. Thanks for calling. Hopefully uh, we'll hear from you again next week. All right, let's bounce now to the uh, 561. We're going to the 561, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary, it's uh, Willie again, man. I just, it's just two more points I wanted to make tonight. All uh, right. Last year, what people you know fail to realize, uh, Coley was the offensive coordinator at Florida State. But Jimbo Fisher, he made all the calls, game calls. He came up with the game plan, but Jimbo made the game calls. And in that game against Florida that they lost, he tried to open up the game. He tried to attack their defense, and it backfired on them. So yep. I mean, I mean, so to for for us to the game plan that we had was I I, I think. It wasn't what everybody wanted to see. Is one of those old Tampa Bay, you know, cover two, slug them up games. You know that that's that's basically you know with their offense. That's they just attacked them. I mean, if we if we needed to go down the field, I think we could have. But to really stress it and and and, and just to try to prove a point. I mean, the object is to win the game, not to make everybody happy. So yep, it would have been risky business against that defense. I'm telling right, you, it would have been right. risky business. Yep. So in, in, in the days of pushing our defensive line, blowing them off the ball, I think those days are over. And, I mean, I mean uh, like the caller before, he was talking about with Georgia Tech. That type of offense, that's where you have to be stout. You don't get blown off the balls. Give the linebackers a chance to make plays on the ball. It won't happen. I mean, uh, those – I'm not – I wouldn't say I wouldn't. I'm worried – I'm not worried about Georgia Tech. I'm worried about any game that we play. Anything can happen. But – 
that being said, you know, I like I said, I think we have a real good chance at a great season. Everybody just buckle up and get ready for this ride, baby. That's all I want. That's all right, thanks. I got to say. Thanks for calling us back. Um, let's now dive over to the uh, 786. The 786, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's up, man? Oh, just chilling here. How you doing? This is uh, Dex Mill, Dex Mill subscriber. I'm the guy that called you a couple of weeks back. I All right. That met appreciate you. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook's father over at the uh, at the car wash. Oh, okay. I yeah, a, I remember your call. I had a few people yeah. call me about that one. I got a few phone calls on that one. I got a few messages on the message board. The only thing, Gary, I wrote it on the board. Not 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 sure if you had a chance to read it. You kind of took what I said out of context in that thinking that I was saying that, uh, you know, Miami should cheat like those other programs would cheat. I wasn't saying that at all. What I was simply saying was that money affects everything, and I mean everything. And if you don't think so, I mean, you're just crazy. And and, and what I was just saying was that Florida, uh, for instance, here, I'll, I'll say this real quick and then I get to my point. Amari Cooper was a lifelong Hurricane fan. Amari Cooper was going to the University of Miami. This is not what I heard. This is what I know once again. Amari Cooper was going to the University of Miami just like Duke Johnson was going went to UF. What happened, there's an alumni from Alabama that lives in South Florida that promised somebody a job. And one and it's somebody that was taking care of Amari. And once that person was promised that job and got that job, it was a wrap. So Amari it was it was out of his hands. It was up in his case town from then on. But anyway, that's just that that's that's another topic. I just I just thought that uh, you know, back then it was it was on topic about you know, wouldn't Miami be able to get back and why I didn't think we, you know, it'd be very hard for us. But anyway, about the game and about the players, Gary, uh, I, I remember a while back you stated that you thought that uh, uh, Crawford was, was a better corner than Tracy Howard and he was actually the best one. That's so far from the truth. Tracy well, Gary, wait, 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 slow down one second. I, 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 I didn't say he was a better cornerback than Tracy Howard. I said he was doing phenomenal in training camp, and I thought he was going to win the job. Tracy Howard came on in the, last, in, the, in the last week and beat him out, but I like both of them. I think they're both very good players. Crawford froze. The moment was too big for him on Saturday, and he froze out there a little bit, but he's a very good player and is going to continue to get better. And that he is, I like all of them. But, but but I mean you didn't you didn't come out and exactly say Crawford's better than Howard, but it, it, you might as well have. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, because there's no foundation for that. You know they're both really playing for the first time right now. I mean you can't. How can you say who's? There's no there's no track record. There's, how can you say one's better than the other? We haven't seen enough yeah. of them, and and, he, and that's even with the play that Tracy made the other day. I'm not ready to start comparing those kids. Yeah, 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 that's true. There, I got two. You gotta have a bigger body of work than what we have right now. Right. I want. I got two points I want you to touch on for me. The first one is uh, the job openings at, at at USC and at Texas. Being that uh, I was reading online today that Texas has the biggest budget, has the most money, has the two biggest donors besides uh, 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 Boone Pickens and Phil Knight at Oregon. Texas has the biggest two uh, boosters of any university in the country, a couple, couple billionaire dudes or whatever. Uh, basically what I'm saying is with, 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 with that job seems like it's coming open, and with, with Kiffin and USC and that job seems like they're coming open, I think that those are the, are the two best jobs 
of any university in, in the country, better than Ohio State, better than Alabama, because of, well, Texas has the most money. USC can, 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 can pay with anybody, can pay with anybody, and the proximity of living in Southern California and the recruiting base that they have there in Southern California is similar here to South Florida. I think those are the best two jobs in college football. Just wanted to know if you think we've got anything to worry about. That's my first thing. The second thing is, Gary, man, it's hard for me to criticize you because you do such a great job in creating Kane sport. I mean, you have a lot of subscribers. I mean, hell, you got me to subscribe. I don't subscribe to anything. So you do a great job. But, Gary, sometimes, but, hey, Gary, but sometimes, man, you need to call a spade a spade and stop kissing them. I don't know if you have to kiss up to the coaches in order to get access to certain things or what. You can't bash them. But, Gary. I, I always call a I always call it as I see it. You may not agree no, with what I'm saying all the time, but that doesn't mean I'm no. not calling it as I see it. No, Gary. No, no. no. But anyway, listen, that game Saturday, right? Yeah. For you to for you to for you to switch around and to uh 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 use wordplay to say that we intentionally called that game the way we called it to try and uh not expose ourselves, I think you're going a little far, Gary. Now, No, I'm not, and, I, and I'm going to tell you where I have the benefit. I have the benefit but, that others others that? don't have because I'm telling you, I'm sitting there during that game just like everybody else, and I'm sitting there saying, man, they got to adjust, start doing more play action on first down, You know, maybe throw some screens in here. This running game's not working. I'm like everybody else in that stadium sitting there thinking those things to myself. Where, where I have an advantage – uh, and, and a benefit is I get to go research after the fact what I'm thinking and see if I'm right or not. <laughs> and, and you know, I, and I can be open-minded enough to, to change my thinking based on on what I hear in my conversations with various people who would know what was really going on. And and I'm just, just telling you that you know they yeah, went into that I, game yeah. with, with with the idea of putting it in the hands. Of Duke Johnson. Now they were aggressive in the first quarter. Wait, let me finish. They were aggressive in the first quarter. I think you saw play action passing. I think you saw them go down the field. Things like that. Florida adjusted in the second quarter. You know, as you know, football football is a game of adjustments. Coaches adjust to, to each other. Florida adjusted in the second quarter, and Coley and Golden had a decision to make. Do you, adjust, do you adjust back and start freewheeling it a little bit more and start subjecting yourself to zone blitzes and things like that and start letting your quarterback take the kind of beating that you're inflicting on their quarterback? Or do you keep handing the ball to Duke Johnson, put the ball, put the game in the hands of Duke, your best player on the roster, and an offensive line that's a veteran unit that you're expecting to be the – foundation of this football team and that's what they did and what happened was the offensive line didn't deliver they didn't deliver and you know what you can't play the result and and say oh the offensive line didn't deliver the coaches are you know don't know how to adjust and don't know how to call a game you know sometimes it doesn't work out at the end of the day wait and i'll let you i'll let you say your piece in a second at the end of the day Late in the fourth quarter, the University of Miami was beating Florida by 12 points, okay? I, anybody will take that any day of, the, of any year, okay? So their game plan worked. Whatever that game plan was, it worked. Well, 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 well Gary, my thing is, first of all, I'm not here to bash Cody about his play calling. I mean, the, 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 the only problem I had with him with his play calling was I think he could have put at least one screen in, in the game. But here's my thing. 
scary. After the first half, we had the defense have been on the field 45 plays. The time of possession was almost 3-1 to one or whatever it was. Golden and the whole staff seen that. There is no way, there is no way that the staff went back out in the second half and intentionally, uh, well, I shouldn't say intentionally, but they, but, 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 came up with a game plan to continually go three and out the way they did. And I say this, and I say that because this, after, after, after the third quarter, or even after the second, after halftime, they knew that we weren't going to be able to run the ball like that. Now, I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think that Golden and Coley made a conscious decision to say, you know what, hey, screw it, we're going to just. Uh, continue to run Duke, run Duke, run Duke, go three and out, and put our defense back on the field in bad situations. They've been on the, they had already been on the field 45 plays. They had the title possession was so lopsided. Golden and Golden had to be thinking, wow, this defense is, is, is you know, they're going to get tired. I think what happened, what I think happened is this. I think what happened is the game played out the way it did because Florida's defensive line just dominated. And the reason that we won the game without the voting credit for wait. Let me let me stop you for a minute. Let me wait. We time out. Let me stop you for a minute. You're saying you don't believe they did that. I'm telling you they did do that. And I'm going to give you something right now that's going to back that up. You know how many yards passing they had in the second half? Miami had 17 yards passing in the second half of that ball game. Now you right. you, you can't tell me that that doesn't like scream at you that their game plan was exactly what you saw that their game plan was. They had 147 yards in the first half and 17 in the second. I mean, Gary, I think, I think, I think, I think all of that just, just, just was because Florida's defense was just that, just that, just that dominant like that. But I, I it was because of Florida's where, defense where adjusted I, to what they were doing early in the game, and the coaches yeah, made a conscious decision that they were not going to be baited into opening it up. And they weren't going to be baited into turning it into a passing ball game that was going to subject Stephen Morris to sacks when their offensive line clearly was not doing a great job of handling the Florida defensive line, which might be one of the two or three best in the country. Without a doubt. Okay, Gary, you get your back into a corner. You're making more sense than I am. I'll, you win that. I have no, I have no problems. All right, call, well, call, call back next, well, call Gary, back next week with a better argument. It's not, <laughs> All right. I, I got you. Well, listen, I'm, hey, hey, I want you to comment on that thing about those two jobs I said that would open. I'll, I'll hang up and listen to you. Oh, now. they're great. They're they're great jobs, obviously. And you know, you look at Texas or USC; those jobs come open. I I think you know anybody in the country would want those jobs. So Nick Saban on down. So you know we'll see if he could be pride from Alabama. I guarantee you Texas will make a phone call to Nick Saban and see if they can get him to leave Alabama. All right, let's go out now to the nine five four. We've got about twenty minutes of show left. We do still have time for your calls. The number is six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. We're going out to the nine five four now. And you were live you on Kings for Life. How you doing? Pretty good, man. How's it going, pal? Yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, I hear you. I, I called last week and wanted to say, you know, I was I met you. Remember, I met you at the Heat game. Obviously, Borello, I'm on uh, Kings for whatever. But I called yeah, and I said, you. there's no way. I don't, I don't think Florida, you know, there's no way we have to win and we have to score points. And it was totally opposite what I thought was going to happen. But I wanted to see your opinion on how, if you think Florida's defense is really – could be that good, or is it kind of just 
like you're saying, everyone's saying, is he kind of just scaled down and just gave it to Duke. I mean, well, here, uh, here's what I'll I tell did. you. Uh, last year, Florida gave up 14 points a game, had one of the best defenses in the country. In Gainesville, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to our countdown to kickoff show uh, with Brian Holt um, from InsideTheGators.com last week, but in Gainesville, the prevailing opinion is that their defense this year is significantly better than their defense last year. Um, I spoke to several NFL scouts on the sideline before the game was played Saturday, and they told me that there's probably about six kids on that in that starting unit that'll be first-round draft picks in the National Football League. So uh, I know I had a lot of respect for their defense before the game, and I left that game afterwards with even more respect. I mean, they have a great defensive line. They have a great secondary, and – um, I thought Miami came out with a great game plan. They did a phenomenal job in the first quarter, scoring two touchdowns, getting ahead. Took and the I think they, yeah, they had the momentum and they and they were doing everything they could to not give it up. And I think I thought that's the way the game played out. And I understand why everyone's up in arms because it, you know the, they want to see you know a lot of passing and, and stuff like that. But I'm not sure that that game on Saturday was what was ordered up for that type of offensive approach. And I certainly can't argue it because, like I said, they're, they're winning by 12 late in the fourth quarter. Right. You know, prevent defense. So what about – what? see, then you look at the schedule and you say, hey, I mean, that probably is the best defense beyond, besides Florida State that's going to be the best defense on the schedule. And, I don't know, you got to like – Oh, they're, like they're better than Florida State. Florida, Florida State doesn't have a defense as good as Florida. Right. No way. No right, way. Yeah. I mean, I, appreciate it. I mean, they'll they'll be good, but they're not going to have a better defense than Florida. Okay, yeah. Thanks a lot for calling. Hopefully, we'll hear from you down the road. Let's jump over now to the uh, three four seven, and you are now live on Team Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's going on, man? This is Kwame. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. Look, I I appreciate all the talk about the Florida game. I, I love the fact that the games did well, but I want to talk about recruiting. Uh, how many players were there? Who, who got swayed, um, how many 2015 recruits were there that liked what they saw, um, any rumors to the offer uh, that we gave the number one recruit in the country, Leonard Fournette, is he going to make an official visit to Miami anytime during this, uh, uh, this season? Um, what chances do we have of getting Anthony Moten uh, to commit to Miami uh, after he decommitted from those uh, scum up north? And uh, also, you know, what about Dalvin Cook and Irmar? Like, as the year goes on and we continue to win more games, uh, we definitely need running back help, a big back that's evident. You know, I would love to get Leonard Fournette in the mix, but maybe a Nick Chubbs out in Georgia would be an answer there. Um, I would love to get your feedback on the recruiting and what this game meant going forward for Al Golden. All right, we're going to do um, a lot of recruiting next week, but let me just give you a, a quick synopsis and try to answer a few of your questions. Um, obviously, a huge number of recruits were at the game um, on Saturday. A lot of the Miami commits, uh, Joe Yearby, Brandon Powell, uh, Riley Gibbons, Trevor Darling, Nick Linder, Chad Thomas, Demetrius Jackson, Trent Harris, Trevante Valentine, Nigel Bethel, were, were among the, the, the Miami commits that, that were in attendance. Uh, you had a wide receiver from Leesville, um, North Carolina, Braxton Berrios, um, who took an official visit this week and was there. Um, 
we're not quite sure what's going on with Braxton, though, because we haven't really been able to get a hold of him since he left his visit, which is kind of weird. But um, he's a, a shorter-type receiver, probably like in the mold of like a Wes Welker, who's a slot uh, receiver. That, that, type. Yeah, that they, and they've decided they want him and, and tr- are trying to get him. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, Dalvin Cook was in attendance cheering for Florida. Um I'm not expecting that to change. You know, I don't I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to say I'm I'm not sure that he's going to end up at Florida, but I'm I'm not feeling like he's going to end up at Miami right now. Just, you know, I just don't see that moving in that direction. Um let me think, think who else you asked about. Um Leonard Leonard Fournette. That Leonard guy, Fournette, I yeah. really gave him an offer and I yeah, I heard some mention that he was going to take an official to Miami sometime during this this season, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's accurate. Right now, it looks like Miami will get one of his five official visits. Um, I'm not wow. sure. I'm not sure that it's much more than a celebrity visit right now. To be honest with you, uh-huh. um, I just, I just want to see South Florida. Um, I'm really thinking that Fournette's going to end up at LSU. But if you're Miami, mm-hmm. you, not, you take you, you'll, you'll take that kid coming down here um, every day of the week. You, you take your best shot. You hope he really falls in love with. The school and the city, and and you know you see where it, where it goes. But um, I we have a history of turning New Orleans products. We got a history of turning New Orleans products into Hall of Famers. Absolutely, you know it's been it's been done before. You know LSU is very tough to beat in Louisiana right now. You know they kind of own that state. Yeah, you know, they own that state. You know, I mean, you remember all the kids that were that you know thought might come to Miami, the Reuben Randalls of the world, and, you know that ended up not, but. Uh, at the same time, if if you can get Leonard Fournette to visit your program, he is he's a big time, big running back, and and exactly as you mentioned, what Miami's looking for right now in recruiting, and you got to take a shot. Appreciate you, Gary. All right, yeah, and we'll get we'll get more into recruiting, um, you know, next week. You know, we have an open week here, and we'll try to spend at least an hour on uh, next week's show talking about recruiting and what's going on in recruiting. And um, like you mentioned, there were a lot of 2015 kids in attendance on, on Saturday as well, and the coaches already working hard on the next recruiting cycle. All right, thanks for calling. Um, let's see, we got about 15 minutes of show left, and, and, and we hope uh, you'll still call in. The number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We've got a wide-open board um, for your calls. Uh, you, you still have time. Uh, to get in, so um, don't hesitate to uh, to give it a call. Um, right now, while um, while we're waiting to see if anybody else would like to get on the show, well, actually, we got a call now from the seven eight six. I'll go to that first. Um, you're from the seven eight six, and you are live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. All right, call back. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Um an earlier caller mentioned um Al Golden taking the time today to speak with Bonnie Bernstein from Campus Insiders. We've got that interview. It's got some real insightful information in it, so I'm gonna play it for you right now. In the meantime, hit the board. It's uh six four six five nine five two zero four eight. We'll have about ten minutes left for your phone calls at the conclusion of this interview. Monday edition of the download. Hey everyone, I'm Bonnie Bernstein. Hope you had a great weekend. The coach who kicks off our show today certainly did. Al Golden, it seems the cloud may finally be lifting on your Miami program. Huge win over number 12, Florida. Ranked for the first time since your arrival, number 15 in the AP poll. 
I was kind of wondering, I remember when you scored the game-time touchdown for Penn State in the early 90s against Notre Dame when they were ranked number one. How do you compare that moment, that game as a player, to what your team accomplished on Saturday? I don't think there's any question it had the same type of magnitude, and uh, obviously it was exhilarating for our guys. You know, we've been through so much, uh, Bonnie. They were fighting and scratching and clawing for the last two years, and to beat, you know, one of your arch rivals uh, in that type of game, uh, which was uh, markedly different than how we played in those types of games a year ago. So much more mature team and uh, very excited about the victory. The win was, in fact, huge, but there were some iffy numbers. Florida nearly doubled, doubled your total yardage, one for 11 on third down. I'm assuming you had the chance to look at the tape. What did you see on those fronts when you watched the game film? Well, just that we have a lot of work to do. Everybody, you know, all of a sudden wants to signal after the game that the U is back, that the U is not back. The U is building, and we got to continue to build, and we got to be humble and hungry, and we got to be honest, you know, and uh, great opportunities uh, to learn yesterday. The kids had a great approach yesterday, Bonnie. They came over, they lifted. Uh, a lot of them ran. Uh, they watched the film, and we were able to get a lot of mistakes corrected. We have to get better this week. This has got to be a, a fixture fundamentals uh, week, and, and, uh, and really a lot of guys need to improve. Uh, you know, you say that, and I was so compelled because I, I saw your last tweet, and it was on Sunday, and after that huge win, you said complacency kills, hashtag snap back Sunday. You think your players saw that? I know. <laughs> I know they saw that, uh, but I think it was more—it <clears throat> was more important for me, Bonnie, as the leader of the organization, to get up and go to work. You know, it could have been easy to say, "Hey, we don't have a game next week. Let's just let's just enjoy this one." But you know, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it after the game. We enjoyed it that night. And uh, I just wanted to make sure, from the leader on down in this organization, that we know we haven't achieved anything yet, and we're not back yet. We got a long way to go. We beat a good Florida team. There's no question about it. But we also beat a team that was deeper than us in a lot of areas. we got to build depth this week and get our team better. Along those lines, let's put some big picture perspective on this. There's been so much discussion about what a big win this was for the ACC along with Clemson beating Georgia week one. How would you gauge the impact this game is having on the league perception versus the value of the win for your program? Well, it's easy to, it's easy to say the league perception hasn't been what it needs to be in recent years, Bonnie, because the University of Miami hasn't been what it needs to be. So. Uh, the way we help the league uh, get its national notoriety and get back to where we want to be in, in the national stage is we have to take care of our, our deal down at Miami. Uh, you know, and, and again, when the ACC uh, you know, got Miami, uh, it had got it off some of the you know, best years in college football history, period. So we have to get back to doing our job and uh, taking care of business down here, and that's going to help uh, the league. Clemson's doing an outstanding job right now. Florida State uh, last two years, three years have been uh, excellent. Of course, Virginia Tech has been, you know, really the mainstay over the last 15 years. While others, you know, come in and come and go, Virginia Tech has been there. University of Miami's got to get back to doing what it needs to do. That was Al Golden, and man, what a great three-minute interview I thought that was. And uh, wow, he called himself the leader, and from the leader on down, the U's not back, the U is building and complacency kills. And, uh, man, if that doesn't make you feel like the University of Miami um, has a, a, the right leader in place to lead this program, I don't know what, whatever will. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes left for calls. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the uh, 786, and you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, you're on the air. 
All right, uh, call drop, 646-595-2048 is the number. Um, You still have a few more minutes to call the show. Let me touch uh, quickly um, on a few of these topics that maybe we have not uh, gotten into along the way in this show. Um, One of them was, does this victory mean that the program is back, or is it just the beginning of a longer road? Um, I think you heard Coach Golden touch on that in the interview that we just played. Uh, There's no question that it's not time yet to say that the U is back. This is the part, I I don't know if I would call it the beginning, because I think the beginning was really last season, Um, but this is part of the path on the way to what is a longer road and a longer journey. But I will say this, Al Golden looks to me like he might be able to pull this off quicker than what some other past Kane coaches have who um, embarked on these rebuilding missions, um, took Schnellenberger into the fifth year, um, Butch Davis into the sixth. Um, Al Golden certainly looking like he might be able to do it quicker, but we'll have to see how the rest of this season goes and then how the team shows up next year. All right, now let's go out to the um, 404, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, you're on the air. I think everybody's trying to listen to the show and call um, at the same time. Um, Okay, um, touching on a a, a couple more of these topics, why Stephen Morris rolling left for passes so often – I don't think there's any significance to that. I think they're just trying to to go, you know, have them be able to go both ways, and and so that the the rollout game is not predictable. So I, I wouldn't overreact too much to that. Uh, why is the communication between Morris and the receivers seeming to have problems? Um, I think you've got some new wrinkles in this offense, some new plays. I, I think they're trying to do different things, and and maybe you know they just need to be coached up a little bit more on what they're trying to do. There's a big difference between doing it in training camp and doing it on the practice field and then adjusting in live action on Saturday when the defense is doing things maybe a little bit differently than what you anticipated uh, during the week. So these guys just simply have to get on the same page, and uh, I think they will. I think this open week comes at a perfect time, and they'll have a lot of practice field time to work on that communication. All right, we're going to go out now to the um, the 973, and you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, hey, Gary. Hey, I called in earlier, and I'm the one that brought up the whole thing with the offensive line. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of want to bring up another issue. It's kind of like I know everybody don't want to talk about this right now because we're still celebrating on the victory. But is it possible, actually, you, Gary, is it possible we're still waiting on the NCAA because they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do with the basketball situation also? Is that if so we go when we hear the allegations and everything that comes down, are they going to intertwine the basketball along with the football? Um, I don't think that has anything to do with the delay. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of intertwining. I think that they're being treated as separate sports with separate considerations. Um, I think the delay is due to the workload in Indianapolis and the fact that they have no, you know, they have no reason themselves to care about how fast they work. You know, I mean, everybody attached to the Miami program, whether administrators or fans. You know, everyone here is invested in, in how long it's it's going to take. You know, but they're not, and and really have no reason to be. So, but I do think it'll it'll happen in, in the next couple weeks. I, I really do. I'll be surprised if we get out of September and haven't heard anything yet. Okay, well, what about this? I mean, it's, uh, I think I'm reaching. Everybody probably after hearing, but I'm going to say it's probably just a reach. 
But he thinks they're just taking their dragon and they're taking their small because they figure, look, we need to put, we would like to put them on three-year probation and take away scholarships. But if we wait about almost three years to give them the, the, um, the decision, that's like putting them on probation anyway. So we, we've been waiting for like two years, and they've just been trying to drag to see how much it could affect us so they know that they really don't have a case. Well, no, I, I think they're just. I think they're being very careful. I, I think they're aware of the possibility of lawsuits from different individuals involved in the case, and I, I think they're being very careful. I think they're making sure they get their language right and probably going through several dra- several drafts on the final document. And um, like I said, I'm expecting something here in the next couple of weeks. Do you, you know, think there's I mean, a lot of stuff that's being talked behind the scenes between the school and them? You think, you no, think? no, I don't think oh, anybody okay. at the school has a clue what's happening. Um, I don't think they have any idea whatsoever. I hate to put you on the spot, but what do you think is going to happen at the end of the day? I mean, I've been expecting them to get time served on the on the bowl ban side, and I think they'll get some scholarship penalties. You know, and and, and that's the way I felt for about a year now. You know, I mean, I'm, that's what I think is going to happen. But until something comes out, we don't know for sure. Okay, which is not bad. Um, I mean. I'm not, I don't want to take anything, but um, that's what we're going to go ahead and accept that. Uh, I know you're about to, um, the show's about to end, but um, all right, man, thank you. Um, call you again next week. All right, we got time for a few more calls. Let's go now down to the uh, 954, and you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's going on, bud? Blake again. Hey, what's up, Blake? How you doing, pal? Another uh, question. Are you, you guys are everyone's head up for the USF for the, you know, for the USF game. What kind of What kind of Miami – crowd you think we can get? I know I went, you know, was that two years ago, and it was a pretty decent Miami crowd. What kind of crowd you, you, would you expect up in Tampa with the debauchery of uh, the USF program at this point? Oh, I think it'll be a good crowd. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't see any issues there. I think you got a lot of Hurricane fans throughout the state of Florida, and I think however many tickets the university gets is is what they'll fill there in in, in uh, Raymond James Stadium. I think it'll be it, it'll be a great great day for the Hurricanes. I, I like when Miami goes to Tampa. I think it's a good opponent. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's it's USF, the right I'm level alumni, of opponent. I'm an alumni of USF, and uh, uh-huh. I'll, I'll be with a pretty pretty big following. So if, if, if you get time, let me know. You come over, meet with us, have a beer, and uh, kind of talk it up a little bit if you get a chance. Let me know. Okay. But I'm only coming if you have two beers. But uh, we'll see what happens oh. there. I'm just kidding. Thanks for calling. Uh, Let's go now to the uh, 727, and you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How are you doing? Okay, great. Thanks. I just wanted to give you a call. Uh, Just had just a concern and maybe a question about the wide receiver situation. Obviously, with the injury to Scott, you know, really looks like we're sort of getting in that, that, that gray area, that dangerous area. You know, it just seems like, you know, Malcolm Lewis isn't quite healthy enough to put on the field to be in competitive situations, and they can't quite go to, to a guy like Damari Jones yet because, I don't know, maybe he isn't ready. I, you know, I don't know what the situation is there. But can you speak to that along with uh, the other concern, which, you know, Duke obviously needs to be spelled from time to time. Uh, we see him taking some, some pretty serious hits, albeit from, you know, great defenses like Florida. Uh, you sort of expect that, but at the same time, I'd love to see Edwards get some carries uh, to help him develop. Uh, Hagens maybe get some carries. I know historically he hasn't been in that role. Uh, a guy like Crawford really getting into the mix could really spell Duke. 
and uh, kind of stretch him out to, to, so that he's uh, uh, ready for the, the rest of the season. I'll uh, listen off the air. Thanks. All right. Um, yeah, I think that the, the, the receiver position probably doesn't have quite as much depth right now as Al Golden would like it. You know, I think that's why you're going to see them recruit four or five receivers this year in the next recruiting cycle. Um, but I do think that as the weeks go by, that, that you will see the rotation expanded. I think they just tried to focus with their veterans on Saturday and, and, and tighten the rotation. So therefore, you know, a guy like Stacy Coley didn't get a lot of playing time. Malcolm Lewis, I think they're trying to bring him back slowly from the injury. Um, so, you know, I don't see a lot of huge issues there as long as they don't have any more injuries. If they do, obviously things will be a little compromised. As far as the running back, I totally agree with what you just said. I think Duke Johnson needs some help. I do think that Gus Edwards has the capability to be that guy, but the Florida game was clearly not the place to work on that either. Um, I'm a little disappointed in the production coming from Clements and Crawford. Um, I'm sure they're going to try to get those guys going more as the weeks go on. Um, Clements, you know, look to me like he has the capability maybe to, to, to help a little bit more than what he is right now. And I think his role will get expanded as well in the weeks leading up. Well, that's going to conclude our show for tonight. Um, Thank everybody for calling, um, and um, sorry for the couple guys that are left on the line right now uh, that we can't get to. Hope you'll call back next week. Uh, we're going to try to talk a little bit more recruiting next week. We'll still touch on things going on with the team. Um, you know, hope everyone's enjoying our new Kane Sport Live format. I think it's been hugely successful, and can't thank you all enough for participating to the extent that you are. So I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com. Thank you very much for joining us on another edition of Kane Sport Live. We'll see you next week. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.